Hey, this is Candace Pringle, lead pastor of FE Church, and this is our podcast. So 27 years, happy birthday, Freedom Valley. That's what I was going to say when I started. God has been so good. Freedom Valley started with, maybe you don't know this. I haven't talked about this enough over the years, but Freedom Valley started with, before our first Sunday, long before our first Sunday, there was a group of pastors in, this, in these communities, more than just Adams County in They were from uh, Franklin County, York County, and um, some from Maryland, the surrounding area, who prayed this church into existence. One of the things the Holy Spirit put in my heart when he told me to plant a church, and I said, okay, God, where? And he, he said, I'll show you when you see these three things. And he gave me three specific things that I would look for. And the third one was that there was a group of people praying for a church. Man, when God gave me that... When I found that, I knew we'd come home. And so when we moved into this community 27 years ago, we felt like we were moving home. Uh, I can't really explain that except to say when we moved into New Oxford in the house we now live in, it felt like home. It felt like we were moving into our home community. That was the oddest feeling I ever had in my life. Uh, So... God brought Julie and I and Candace, Shauna, Evan, and Luke into this community and uh, made it fit around us quickly. He surrounded us with friends and family, sent gifted people and creative ideas to reach, serve, and love this community. I grew up as a little Amish boy who only spoke German until I was old enough to go to school, until five years old or so. And I only had an eighth grade education until Bible college. Uh, I don't talk about these things a whole lot either, but I'm so grateful to have had a part in the work that God has done here and how he's he's used my unique calling and gifts, not only for this church, but to create a rich soil that causes lots of churches to spring up. And uh, I feel like God has done that over the years. Uh, I I just got to tell you as an aside that all these years I've been praying that God would send a pastor for this church, and I feel like he finally has. And uh, that's, a, that's a great thing. So that I could focus on uh, what he's doing in planting other churches and do that better. Uh, much like my granddaughter Telly's aloe plant, squiggly, that continues to grow wild and is unstoppable. It just keeps producing more aloe plants. So is the work that God has begun here. And I believe it has just begun. I think the future is so bright. In the coming years, Freedom Valley will serve more people, have more unique, creative, inspired ideas to go further than we have ever gone in reaching this community with the love of Jesus. I felt like God, let me just tell you this this is an aside as well. Not in my notes. I'm going to just freewheel for a minute. I felt like God said from the start that He would eventually send another pastor to replace me so that I could do the unique thing that He called me to do in starting churches. And I feel like that's going to accelerate a lot in the coming years in the starting of churches. So, with Candace at the helm, I've been free to focus and invest on developing the Freedom Valley network of churches. I'm no longer the senior pastor of this church, and I haven't been for over a year. 
you know that already. Candace is. I've been called to plant churches and help those church plants toward effectiveness and help them from the early stages of a young church, like we were, to greater growth and effectiveness in their communities. My living room every Tuesday night is now a place of prayer, like the prayer that birthed this church. A group of pastors met together monthly to pray this church into existence. And I haven't talked about that enough. That is a huge deal for the history of this church. We're doing that now on Tuesdays. We pray for churches in our home every Tuesday and are sowing into those churches, asking God to make them much more effective. We've been enjoying investing in and consulting with these network churches over the last few months uh, but we'll be here from time to time as well. Freedom Valley is our home. You're our family. We're proud of Candace for the work she's doing here. We'll be here to support where and when we can. I want you to know that. Of course, the most effective thing you could ever do to support us would be to stay here and give support and be involved in this great church. just want to say that really strongly and clearly. I think that's true in every part of that statement. Uh, if you wish to support us per personally, you could do that. We would actually really appreciate that. If you would give over and above your tithes to Freedom Valley Missions, uh, that is money that this church has committed specifically to us. We're living in faith in that particular way. And uh, I would love if you would join that group in giving a dollar or two or ten or a hundred or whatever it is you can give monthly in addition to your tithes uh, to support us where you can. Of course, the most effective thing that you could ever do is to stay here and get involved. Get involved in this church. Don't just watch church happen. Get involved. Greet people at the door. Love on kids in the back. Minister somewhere. Reach somebody in your community with the love of Jesus. That's all getting involved in this church and uh, every church that loves Jesus. And I want to encourage you to do that. Uh, find a way. Uh, if you wish to, You'd be welcome to join our little team on Tuesday nights and pray with us for churches. That's what we're doing on Tuesdays. You're welcome to be part of that if you want to. If you want to come once or come a lot or whatever, you're welcome. We meet at 7 o'clock on Tuesdays almost every Tuesday night. I'll put you on the list if uh, I know you want to be part of that and uh, let you know about those upcoming meetings. Otherwise, just show up. If you desire, desire to support us perfectly, uh, personally, that would be good as well with the Freedom Valley Network of Churches. Just let me summarize again. I've resigned as senior pastor of this church a year ago. You already know that. And uh, I will be here to support and help and cheer about whatever God is doing as often as God directs me to. I uh, look forward to those opportunities as God directs me, and then I'll be in the other churches where I can be. Uh, I hope you'll stay. I hope you'll give. I hope you'll be involved in this church. Uh, Freedom Valley has great years ahead. You can be part of those great years. Uh, the only way to be part of that is to get involved in something. Find a way to give something of yourself. You'll find church so much more meaningful when you do. And uh, I encourage that everywhere that I go. You're still going to see me from time to time. And uh, I've now beat that to death. So I can move on, right? All right, thank you. Psalm chapter 1 is where I'm going today. I want to spend a little time in the Word with you to explore the Word of God, specifically Psalm chapter 1. I've come to love Psalm chapter 1. It's one of my favorite places in the Bible. I have a lot of favorite places, so don't get too hung up on that. But uh, Psalm 1 is one of my favorite places. It's six verses, 
We don't even know who wrote it, but it's lasted for thousands of years, at least 4,000 years, Psalm 1 has been in existence. Think about that. What do you know that has fed people's souls for thousands of years? Psalm 1 is one of those. Six verses. It's a preamble to Psalms. And Psalms is one of the most versatile books in the Bible. In Psalms, you have um, people lamenting and in sorrow. You have people rejoicing with what God is doing now. You have everything in between in Psalms. And you can preach out of, for, out of Psalms for every subject you ever want to preach on. Psalms is like that. It's one of the original hymn books of the church. Many of the Psalms are songs now. People have put them to music. Many of them were songs. And uh, Psalm chapter 1, most Bible scholars uh, tend toward the idea that Psalm chapter 1 was written by Ezra the priest. This is significant. Ezra was the last priest before Israel was sent into captivity because of its intense wickedness. It got so wicked that God said, I'm done with you people. I'm going to ship you away for a while to teach you uh, how you're destroying yourselves. And I'm going to let somebody else be in charge because you can't be. Too wicked. Too much wickedness. Ezra was that last priest. He saw his nation go down the tubes, and he was one of the captives that got taken away. He was the priest while they were in captivity, and then was the priest when they came back 70 years later. That's huge. And many people, many Bible scholars believe that he wrote this psalm as a way to say, I want to somehow connect with the body of Christ. I want to connect with people who believe and make sure they get some basics down. I want to put it in songs so that they're singing this constantly. Because there's something catchy about songs. Once you hear a tune that catches, it stays with you for a long time. So Psalm 1 was like that and was written as the basic principles of the Word of God that will feed your soul. I love that in so many ways. And love how this psalm summarizes all of the psalms and all of the Word of God, I think, and some really, with some really powerful short sentences about how it works. Six verses, just six, transform the world with uh, its meaning. Psalm, let's start reading in chapter 1, verse 1. Oh, the joys of those who do not follow the advice of the wicked or stand around with sinners or join in with mockers, but they delight in the law of the Lord, meditating on it day and night. They're like trees planted along the riverbank, bearing fruit each season, their leaves never wither, and they prosper in all they do, but not the wicked. They are like worthless chaff scattered by the wind. They will be condemned at the time of judgment. Sinners will have no place among the godly, for the Lord watches over the path of the godly, but the path of the wicked leads to destruction. Father, Would you, one more time, for Freedom Valley's 27th, rest on me by the power of your Spirit to preach your word. Make this helpful. Cause it to direct our hearts and lives with Jesus. Give us insights, personal insights, that we would put to work in the days ahead to give us the transforming power that you intended with these incredible words. 
We trust you. We give it to you. We love you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Oh, the joys of those who do not follow the advice of the wicked or stand around with sinners or join in with mockers. What Ezra, if indeed it was Ezra, this also could have been a psalm of David, I want you to know. There are some Bible scholars who contend for that. I believe it was David, but the Bible doesn't say in this case. We don't know who wrote it. What we do get is some incredible truths, and he says, oh, the joys of those who do not. Listen, when he's talking about joy, I want to just start there. Joy is different from happiness because joy is a chosen attitude. You follow this? Happiness is an attitude that happens from people around you. You can't help but be happy when somebody compliments you, and it really connects. That just makes you feel good. You just feel good all over when somebody connects you with something that really matters to your heart. Or when you get a raise. Don't you feel good? Okay, I do. Forget it. If you don't feel good about that, I don't know how to help you. Uh, or, or when, you know, um, somebody gives you something that really matters. You feel happy about that. It's just really happy. That is happiness. Joy is not that. Joy is a chosen place of perspective that you put your heart in when you decide to connect with God's principles and you believe them deeply, no matter what is happening around you, life can be going to hell in a handbasket and you have joy. Because joy is not like happiness. It doesn't have to do with the circumstances around you. It's a chosen perspective where you have decided that God is at work. And because you've decided, you'll make incredibly different choices from the people around you. And here he says... Here's some things to watch out here. If, you, if you're somebody who has set yourself on joy, you want to be a joyful person, watch out for these things that steal joy. First thing that uh, joy is stolen by people who follow the advice of the wicked. He's, because he says, oh, the joys of those who do not follow the advice of the wicked. What he's saying here is that there, there's all the time around us lots of opinions floating by. A lot of them are not good. A lot of them you better resist. You can't be the product of your environment because I don't know about you, but my environment is hardly ever all that good. And when I'm in that environment, I'm not practicing joy anyway. I'm just reflecting what people around me are doing. It's when evil starts happening to me that I got to choose not to listen to the people around me who don't honor God because they have become, by the way, he says, wicked you know what wickedness is? Wickedness is not the same as evil. It's not a word that's a synonym for evil. Evil is the mistake that you make when you actually planned to do the right thing, but you hit somebody on the way to work. That's an evil thing that happened, right? Evil is a mistake you make. Evil is something that you do that you wish you hadn't done. That's evil. And you're saying, man, I regret that. I hate that I did that. Wickedness is where you've chosen and settled on evil. You said to yourself, I give up. I'm going to be bad. Things are going to be bad. I, I just accept it. I want to. I'm just accepting that the world's a bad place and it's getting worse. God's going to lose. Good people aren't going to make it. I'm just going to be one of them. I'm going to be as evil as anybody. Right? That's wicked. That's when you have settled that you're evil and you can't help it. And you, you know, you, 
you got a temptation to do something and say, you got to do it. It's wicked. You settled yourself on evil. And he says, the joys of those who do not follow the advice of the wicked. Now, wicked people will say to you, you might as well give up. It's not going to change you. You're not going to make a difference. You're not going to change the world. You're not going to be anybody. You're not going to forget it. You're not going to become anything. All of that is the advice of the wicked. It's trying to dumb you down and put you in a place where you are the product of your world rather than the person rising above it. The Bible says God rises above. You say, well, that's God. It's not me. You can be in the Lord and rise above with him. The joy you will have when you choose not to think like everybody else thinks and give in to everything everybody else gives into. You're not following the advice of the wicked. So the joys of those who do not follow the advice of the wicked or stand around with sinners. Now here he's talking about where you place yourself with people that you know have a nefarious agenda of some kind. And you're just hanging out with them. And you say to yourself, what, how could this ever be bad? I'm just with them. Sooner or later, they're going to say, come have another beer. Come, just a little high won't kill you. One little relationship that's outside of your marriage isn't going to hurt. Big deal. That is standing around with sinners. Now, the Bible calls us to be salt and light, which means you got to hang out with sinners some. This doesn't mean that you can never hang out with them, but you can never hang out with them in the sense that you're allowing them to speak into your life. When you hang out with them, you got to be the person that has the good agenda. You're the one salting the thing with good agenda. You're the person contributing and helping. You're not giving in to their stuff, their suggestions, their ideas of how to hurt themselves and hurt you. That's standing around with sinners. And then he says, or join in with mockers. Joining in with mockers is the worst thing. And it ought to be, you ought to remind yourself in your spirit that the Bible says this. Because it's really easy for us to hang out with people that are mocking something that's going on and we just start mocking. It doesn't matter if they're mocking something that's bad. The problem with mocking is that you start taking on the characteristics of the thing you're mocking. So if, if you've mocked your parents for their weaknesses, you're gone there. You're going to become your parents because you're mocking them. Recognizing that there's evil there, that's one thing. You've got to recognize it. You've got to make effort to change it. But to mock it, to laugh about it, to make jokes about it. I, I guess one of my biggest concerns of our culture is our comedian culture. Much of it is mocking things we want to not be like, but we're taking on the characteristics by laughing about it. We're minimizing its strength and value in our lives. And he says, the joys of those who do not join in with mockers. You choose not to be part of that. In mocking, you laugh about the person you're mocking in the worst possible scenario. 
You believe their agenda is not good. You believe they're hateful, horrible, ugly people, and you're enhancing how much you believe that by mocking it. It draws you inexorably toward that thing you're mocking. So the joys of those who do not follow the advice of the wicked, do not stand around with sinners, do not join in with mockers, are serious joys. He's just saying, listen, it will kill your ability to think positively about life if you participate in those things. The Bible has a lot to say, for example, about mockers. I forgot this one. The Bible says don't even correct the mocker. You know why? This is for all of you saying, I've got to take this message to somebody who's mocking all the time in my life. Don't even correct the mocker because they will turn and attack you next. Don't even bother. Get yourself away from it is what I think the Word of God is trying to teach us there. So the joys of those who do not follow in those things. And all of that, the ability to live in joy comes from what you delight in. Verse 2, they delight in the law of the Lord, meditating on it day and night. They're like trees planted along the riverbank, bearing fruit each season. Their leaves never wither, and they prosper in all they do. The ability to do joy comes from what you delight in. So if you delight in, well, let me just uh, make this very personal. I delighted in golf for years. I golfed for probably 15 years, maybe longer long time, big part of my life. I stopped because I was walking out of my house one day carrying my golf clubs, and my son was like, Dad, are you going again? And it got to me. I couldn't enjoy the game. I won the game, which is odd that the game I won was my last game. Couldn't play anymore because I felt so convicted for my son needed to say, Dad, are you going again? And I was just going to play golf. You know how I got to delight in golf? Well, I talked about it all the time. I couldn't wait to play it. I started playing it for good reasons. I played it because I had two older pastors who would um, invest in me while we were playing golf. And they wanted to play golf, and I was like, yeah, I'll go with you. And I bought a set of golf clubs, and I started joining them golf course, and they were so helpful to me. I learned some of the greatest principles about leadership from them. But then, there came a time where they couldn't golf, or they moved away, or whatever, and I was just golfing with anybody. Anybody was available. Not that anybody was bad. They weren't. I picked good people to golf with, but I forgot the original reason that I was golfing, which was to learn ministry. Now I just started delighting in the game of golf. The way you delight in anything was the way I delighted in golf. I talked about it for a while, then I'd go do it and play it endlessly. And then afterward, I'd talk about it for hours to anybody that would listen. That's how you delight in anything. But if you choose to delight in the Word of God, if you choose to delight in that God explains certain things to help you in life, to make life easier for you, to help you not make the mistakes that everybody's making, Look around at our world, you guys. Look around at our broken relationships and broken promises and hurts of all kinds. Some of us have this black hole in our lives of something that somebody else took from us in a broken relationship. And 
If we would have listened to the word before we got into that relationship, we would have avoided that. I don't mean to put guilt on anybody. I'm not trying to do that. I'm just trying to say the word of God exists. The point of it exists to keep you from the stuff that is so painful people feel like they will never recover from it. So when you delight in the word, it's something that you talk about constantly. Something that you spend time in, and then afterward you talk about it again. I was uh, thinking about this as I took you honest to the airport a couple of weeks ago. I took him to the Philly airport, so we had a lot of time to talk. And we were just talking about uh, the word, and he was saying that he needs, he needs to go spend some time. After this, he's flying to spend some time with somebody who uh, has a struggle in ministry, whatever, is it, whatever it was. And he said... Um, I need to tell this guy that there are seasons to be productive and there are seasons, there are down seasons. And I said, I, I agree with that, Johannes. I think that's true. There are seasons that are more productive than others. But there's that psalm. I was meditating on this psalm for today. There is that psalm, Psalm 1, that says, their leaves never wither and they prosper in all. I said, how about that? And like that, oh, he said, I forgot about that song. Thank you for reminding me. I think it's God's will for you to prosper in everything, in every area of your life. Now, that doesn't mean that every day will be productive. I always think of David in the Ziklag days. Candace just mentioned this in a recent sermon. David was uh, King David, which is, by the way, the most named person in the Bible. Did you know King David is? Um, king David was anointed to be the next king of Israel. He was just a kid. But between the time that he was anointed and the time that he assumed the kingdom, most Bible scholars guess it was probably something like 40 years. 40? 40 years? That's a long time. I don't care who you are. That's a long time. That is a while for you to wait on. God, you said, you said, what am I doing out here? In those 40 years, he ran for his life. He became enemy number one of Israel. He finally moved to uh, uh, Philistine territory because they hated him so bad. They were trying to kill him constantly, and he needed to find some place of safety. He set up a town there, took over the town of Ziklag, set it up. Really, it really prospered under his leadership, and God started sending him people from everywhere. The Bible says people that... Owed taxes. <laughs> I relate to that, you know, and, uh, and people that were uh, unpopular and people that had issues of all kinds. And, you know, I just, I just relate to people that had issues ran to David for him to help solve them. He started building up Ziklag. So one day he was out doing the town's business and the enemy came, raided the town, stole everything in it. They carried away every household possession, including their wives and children. David and his men came back from a day of doing business, and the town is empty and burned and ransacked. David was so, they were like, oh, I can't believe this happened. How did this happen? This is awful. And in the midst of that, David's men got together and said, we need to kill our leader because he wasn't leader enough to keep us out of this. What do you do when you've had a day that bad? 
I wonder if any of you have ever had a day that bad. I don't think I have. Where not only has everything I have stolen, but the people I lead gather around and say, we need to get rid of him too. Then the Bible says something incredibly important. David sat in the ashes and encouraged himself in the Lord. What he's saying is that when you delight in the Lord yourself, when you believe God wants good for you, when you believe God has planned good for you, you can sit in the middle of the ashes of what everybody else stole and everybody else took and your own people are mad at you and want to kill you. And you say, you all can say all the mean things you want to say, but I believe God wants to bless me. God wants me to have good. God wants me to get through this well. And so David had bad days. Bad, bad, bad days. The worst ever. But he persevered through them. And so in the midst of his encouraging himself in the Lord, the Holy Spirit said, why, why are you sitting here? Why don't you go after those people? Those mean people stole everything you have. Go get it back. He gathered up his guys and was like, guys, before you kill me, how do you do this? Before you kill me, let's go get our stuff. Okay, somebody said, fine, let's do it. Another one said, fine, we're, we're with you. Another one, another one. And finally, the whole gang got together. They went after, and they recovered everything, everything, all their wives and children, all their household stuff, everything came back. And David prospered in everything he did. Not in the day, but what do you do when life gets really Unstable and mean and hurtful. And everybody around you is against you. What do you do? How do you handle that? What he's saying is that the joy of the Lord comes from those who delight in the law of the Lord. And you say to yourself, God wants to bless me. How come I'm not blessed? How come these people stole from me? How come my life is going so backwards and I feel like crap today? Why am I so... What is wrong? Okay, self. God wants you blessed. i got to figure that out. How do I get back on the blessing side of the scale here? He got up. He went after them. He recovered everything. And God started blessing him powerfully from that day. What the enemy meant to steal from David, his very kingdom and his life. He went back and got back the things that the enemy had stolen. Listen, when I'm having one of those bad days, I tend to sit in the ashes and I'm like, God, I deserve this. Something I did somewhere caused me to get this. Do you? You say, but whatever... Jerry has that caused them to deserve it. I got more. I got higher, drunk. I got uh, whatever. Listen, those things may be true, but God is reminding you of those so that you deal with them and you repent of them. So that you once again get forgiveness from Almighty God. And you choose not to live that way anymore. So the joy of the Lord comes from what you delight in. And if you've delighted in how great your car is, well, good luck with that. 
If you've delighted in how great your country is, good luck with that. That's not always great. If you've delighted in how great your skills are, good luck with that, because David had skills. It's about you delighting in the law of the Lord. The law of the Lord is God wants to bless you. You know, have you read Deuteronomy 28 lately? There is a catalog of the blessings of the Lord. I just read it in my devotion again. I could not get over God saying, I want to bless you when you go out. Like just for going through the door. That's it. I want to bless you for that. I want to bless you when you come back in, by the way, too. I want to bless you when you lay down, which would be really cool. God's blessing me. I'm just sleeping. God is blessing me. I want to bless you when you get up. I want to bless you when you try to do something. I want to bless you when you don't try to do anything. I want to try to bless you every time. Everything you do, I want to bless everything. You understand? Everything I want to, I want a catalog of blessings coming at you. And for you to enact those blessings, for you to say, God, I hear you. You want to bless me. I know I messed up back there. I know I'm not everything back there. I, I did some stuff I, I wish I wouldn't have done. I said some things to that person. I, I, I had some negative thoughts back there. I wish I wouldn't be that person anymore. And yet you want to bless me. I had a vision. I was uh, 16 or 17. I don't remember. Really young. And I was spending this time with the Lord. I think I fell asleep and I think I had a dream. That's my version now, but I suddenly was in the presence of God. I felt this real, huge, powerful presence in my life. And I'm like, God, I do not deserve to be here. I'm not a credit to you. I don't deserve to be here. I felt so evil and ugly in God's perfection. And I was thinking that thought. My head was bowed. I was on my knees. I was sobbing. And the Holy Spirit said, wait a minute. You're right. You don't deserve to be here. But Jesus loves you. Jesus died for you. Jesus forgave you all that stuff. All of it. You don't deserve to be here because you're wonderful. Because I get that you're not. You deserve to be here because I love you. And I want you. Stand up. I remember getting up on wobbly legs. Thank you, God. And then I looked at my peripheral vision and I saw everybody fleeing away. They were running away from God as hard as they could. And I thought about that scripture in Revelation that says the, the wicked will be gathered before the throne of God and they will flee away from the presence of the Lord. Oh, I wanted to be with them, running away from God. But God said, wait, you deserve to be here because I made you. I forgave you. I love you. I believe in you. I want you here. And with that courage... I was able to stand in the presence of the Lord. You know, what will you say when you're in God's presence? You think of all the mistakes you ever made? Or will you believe 
that Jesus' death on that cross matters for you. Not the wicked, verse 4 says. They are like worthless chaff scattered by the wind. They will be condemned at the time of judgment. Sinners will have no place among the godly. For the Lord watches over the path of the godly, but the path of the wicked leads to destruction. The wicked are like worthless chaff. A chaff grows up with wheat. It's the outer shell that protects wheat in storms while wheat is growing. You follow that? Then when uh, wheat is harvested, it's brought into the threshing floor and usually shaken or beaten a little bit because it causes the chaff to separate off and you get just pure wheat left. The chaff blows away. It's, it's caught in every wind. It just blows away and is gone forever. Wicked are like worthless chaff. They're blown away. Listen, the point is wind comes at everybody. Wind comes at everybody. Everybody has bad days. Everybody. Everybody. Look at your neighbor and tell them everybody. Go ahead, I dare you. Everybody has bad days. But the difference is that godly people have been meditating on the law of the Lord and that God wants to bless you. God wants to help you. God wants to make your life work. He wants to give you his anointing and his grace to make it through. He wants you to win. You can't think that thought if you're wicked because you've given over to the belief that you deserve what's coming to you. Listen, all of us deserve what's coming to us. But some of us have gone to Jesus and we said, Jesus, forgive me. Set me free from the results of my own crap. I'm not very healthy. I'm not very godly. I'm not very wonderful. I get that. Thank you for your forgiveness. Thank you for setting me free. Unfocused people don't. What they don't is they don't live in joy because they don't believe God wants to bless them. They don't live in joy because they don't see the anointing of God available to them. They don't function. They blow away with every wind. The wind comes on everybody, but worthless chaff blows away because it's unfocused. It doesn't know that God wants to help it. They will be condemned at the time of judgment. Sinners will have no place among the godly, for the Lord watches over the path of the godly, but the path of the wicked leads to destruction. You know, you have that thought. You're, going, you're invited to a party and you have a thought, I'm not worthy here. I don't belong here. These people are too young for me. They're too hip for me. They're too with it for me. I don't know how I fit into this crowd of people. Something in you at that point ought to say, now wait a minute. God wants me to be blessed. God wants me to have more than enough. God wants me to be able to take on this crowd and win. I don't need to think this way about myself. Ungodly people are the, they're worthless chaff and will be condemned at the time of judgment, have no place among the godly because they're going to talk themselves out of the thing God's called them to, the thing they were going to, the thing they wanted to be involved in, but they feel too ugly inside to do it. Listen, I think a lot of us ought to put that to work in our lives because We've had a lot of times, every one of us have had a lot of those times where we felt unworthy to be involved in something God wanted to do. 
unworthy to be at the party, unworthy to be around the people. We wanted to flee away from the thing we ought to square our shoulders and walk into hard because God called us to that thing. Unfocused people don't. They're blown away. I was reminded of uh, a person years ago here who was on staff, and suddenly there was some wickedness uncovered when we uh, dealt with that, denied it. Pretended like it wasn't there. It clearly was. I thought, oh, God, this is going to be so destructive to this church. And the Holy Spirit said to me, now, wait a minute. Wicked people will be forgotten. You remember that my word says that? Wicked people will be forgotten. I couldn't believe that two weeks, three weeks, and three months after that, this church forgot about that person and moved on. You say, well, that's just tragic that you forgot. Not tragic if they put themselves in that place. They chose it. Instead of facing their issues, they ran away from the presence of the Lord. Can you stand up in the presence of the Lord? Can you square your shoulders and say, I've been forgiven by Jesus. Therefore, I deserve to be in holiness and righteousness and health and blessing. I deserve it. Not because of what I did. Because of what Jesus did. Not because I'm anything. Because he's everything. I got to focus on that. And I got to focus on his law. His word is so clear to me. I don't want to ever let go of a minute of it. I don't want to be condemned at the time of judgment. Because I would condemn myself before anybody else says anything. Because of what I know I did. The things I wish I have, hadn't been a part of. There will be no place with the godly for them. I want to give you an opportunity today to respond to this word. If you're somebody who has not, or at least hasn't recently, asked Jesus to forgive you, that prayer you prayed when you came to Christ, you will be praying every day for the rest of your life, which is, Jesus, forgive me. I'm sorry. Every day for the rest of your life, you'll ask him to forgive your sins. You were born into sin, the Bible says. You have sin around you, sin coming from inside you. We're a mess. If you haven't, or you haven't lately, ask him to forgive your sins and take over your life and rule in your heart, I want to give you an opportunity today to do that. And then secondly, if you haven't delighted in the law of the Lord, it felt to you like a burden or God telling you you can't do things that you really wanted to do. You haven't delighted in the law of the Lord and loved that he would give you, he would take the time to give you instructions about how to live the full life, the great life. I want to give you an opportunity for that. Would you pray with me, please? Father, in Jesus' name, settle on us today. Help us to hear your voice. Help us to allow you to forgive our sins, to set us free, to make us whole and worthwhile in your presence. Teach us your ways. 
Pray, Father, for everybody who's just ready today to say, God, I'm sorry. I wish I wouldn't have been involved there. I wish I wouldn't have done that. I wish I wouldn't have. For the things that we see, I wish we wouldn't have been part of. Forgive us for that. For those who just want to throw themselves in the presence of Jesus and let you make them whole. Come. For those, Father God, who want to delight in the law of the Lord. Want to re renew their commitment to delighting in who you are. I pray, Father, that they would hear the word of the Lord over them today. When the word says the Lord watches over the path of the godly, the path of the wicked leads to destruction. Help them to focus on you and let you teach them. Thank you so much for joining us today. If you made a decision to follow Jesus, please let us know by going to fb.church slash in. And remember to download our app for more content and helpful links. Hey everybody, welcome to Home Group. So we apply the message we heard this week at FV Church. This week was our birthday weekend. We turned 27 FV Church, congratulations. Yeah, and it's so good to look back at the past to appreciate what God has done. You know, we just went through the battle series. Right. And so we know that even the bad stuff that we go through in our past, can God can work it out for good. Mm -hmm. So it's good to celebrate the past, but it's also, we're looking toward the future. We're not dwelling on the past. We can honor what the past has done, but God is doing a new thing and we want to look toward the future as well. We say here a lot that, you know, old ways won't open new doors. So we need to recognize what brought us here. Mm -hmm. What brought you to Christ? What brought you to Freedom Valley? Um, what made you start your journey of faith? Uh, but then we have to look forward to what's going to continue to grow our journey of faith. Right. Isaiah 43, 19 says, For I am about to do something new. See, I have already begun. Do you not see it? I will make a pathway through the wilderness. Mm -hmm. I will create rivers in the dry wasteland. And we... As we get into our faith a little bit and we mature a little bit, that flame seems to die out. That like newness yeah. thing, the excitement, the passion. And we often have to figure out what's going to get us through the next season and find new ways of connecting with God. What I love about this is as a kid, I always wanted to be an adventurer and an explorer and imagine I was the first person to find that path through the wilderness. But when you grow up, you realize most of it's been discovered. But when we talk about our faith, every single one of us is an adventurer. Mm -hmm. We have to carve our path towards God. So what is the path you're gonna take? What is your way through the wilderness? How are you gonna get through the desert? What is the new way God is gonna use in you? Yeah, have a great discussion, guys. We'll see you next week.